Good morning, First Baptist Church of China Grove. Welcome as we come together to celebrate our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who died for our sins according to the Scriptures, rose again from the dead according to the Scriptures to be our Savior and Lord. Well, I hope you're following with us online today as we have a, uh, we're going to have a good time in the Lord and in His Word. I'm thankful that you tuned in. And I hope you will tune in every Sunday as we look into God's Word and see what God has for us. I know everyone is focused right now on the situation in our country with the riots and with the death of the young man up in Minnesota. I'm saddened both by his death and I'm also saddened by people's reaction to it. Uh, violence, as the, Jesus said, only begets more violence. And we never make a point by doing wrong. And so I pray for all parties concerned. I pray for those who, are, who have maybe been injured in the riots. I pray for the family of the man who lost his life. It, it, all the way around, it's a terrible tragedy. Keep this very much in prayer. prayer. Bring it to the Lord, <clears throat> let's give it to God, and ask God to intervene in our country. Well, we come to Mark this morning, and we're going to talk about a subject, winning and losing. First of all, let's read the scriptures, Mark 8, beginning in verse 34. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will may come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, this talks about something that reverse to what we think. It says, if you save your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life, You'll gain it. Winning and losing. Everybody likes to win, right? I mean, we love a winner. And uh, that's talked about a lot. And we like it when our team wins. But what about, is there, are there times when losing is a good thing? Or let me put it this way. Is there some times when losing matters more than winning? And there are. I'm reminded of this in a story. We were headed to see Noah's Ark in Kentucky. We passed over right there at the Ohio River, Huntington, West Virginia, the home of Marshall University. And as we passed over there, per the movie, everyone in the car, there were four of us. I said, okay, join me in the chant. We are Marshall. And uh, everybody remembers that from the movie because a tragic event happened. 
It's, there's a sports movie, We Are Marshall. November 14, 1970, 75 people, coaches, players, supporters, and the crew of the Piedmont jet crashed near Huntington, near the airport, killing all aboard. It was a horrific tragedy, but the next year, Coach Lingle, the new coach, was trying to put a team on the field with freshmen and a few, about four upperclassmen that were not on the plane. And their first game, they were embarrassingly beaten very badly. And one coach, they went and prayed in a church, and one coach said, this is not honoring their memory. And Jack Lingle had this response. He said, you know, I've said as a coach, winning is everything. And I've said it a million times. But not this time. Because for us to be there, to be on the field, to honor the memory of those who died, that's greater than winning. He was right. And by the way, the next week they won and it was all moot. But he brought the players before the the memorial for all where all the players had died and, and told them before the game what it meant. And they went out and won the game. So but you know, we still think of that. We are Marshall. I ran I was on visitation one day, somebody had a Marshall flag out and I knocked on the door and the lady answered I said, We are Marshall and she loved it. So sometimes winning is not the main thing. And here Jesus is talking about that very thing. That if we try to save our life, if we think winning is the key, we may lose something. And this is brought out in John chapter 12, verse 24. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Did you ever think for one moment in Hebrews 12 where it talks about the great cloud of witnesses that surround us? Where did the great cloud of witnesses come from? Well, you said, well, the Old Testament saints. Well, yes. What about the New Testament? One of the first saints we know of to go into heaven was, of course, Stephen. And Stephen's life was given for the Lord. He, he lost his life for Jesus. And you would say that was a terrible loss. But listen, they laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And a few later chapters later, in the book of Acts, what happens? Saul becomes a believer. How about that? So as a result of... Stephen's death, what did Paul do? Hundreds of thousands saved through Paul's ministry, no doubt. Most of the known world came to know Jesus Christ through Saul or Paul. Did Stephen's life count? Yes. And I'm sure that when Stephen was stoned, many people thought, what a terrible loss. But he lost his life for Jesus. What happened? They won. You see, losing is not always losing. And winning is not always winning. And we have to remember that. Uh, and what about that early, the early saints that are part of that great cloud of witnesses? 1 Peter 1.7, Peter told them, 
a fiery trial awaits you. The trial of your faith is much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire and might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Listen, he warned them of what was ahead for the church, the early church. And what began to happen was persecution under the emperor Nero. He would take Christians and feed them to the lions. He would take Christians and douse them with oil and put them on a stake and light them and make candles, human candles out of them. Hideous. And Peter, seeing this persecution, a story is told that he begins to leave Rome. And on the road out of Rome, Jesus appears to him and utters the words, Quo Vadis. Most of you know of the movie, Quo Vadis. The classic literature, Quo Vadis. But Quo Vadis means simply, where are you headed? And he asked Peter the question, where are you headed, Peter? Peter goes back to Rome. And he quotes the verse from Revelation, Blessed are they who die in the name of the Lord. Henceforth. Where are you headed, Peter? And finally, Peter is taken in all of this persecution as the leader of the insurrections of the Christian group. He is put on a cross and crucified upside down. Now, if you're looking at it purely from a human standpoint, if you're looking at it through the eyes of man, as you see Peter being crucified, Paul has been beheaded. Peter is crucified. The church is in disarray. Christians are being put to death. You'd say, they're gone. In fact, Nero thought Christianity would perish. The seeds had fallen into the ground. I'm going to make a point with this later, and I want you to get it. The seeds had fallen into the ground. And they were going to produce great and tremendous fruit. What happened as the church was persecuted, it began to grow. More and more and more. As they saw these Christians going out into this, into the mouths of lions, singing hymns, quoting scripture, singing praise to Jesus, seeing the courage that these people did not fear death, things began to change. People began to see Christianity differently. Some hundred, several hundred years later, Christianity was actually adopted by Constantine, when he was fighting a battle, he looked up in the heavens and saw a cross that said, In hoc sino vinces, by this sign you shall conquer. The cross. Christianity won. Many died. But it, we won. 
And that's what Jesus is saying here. Let's go back. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it, folks. What is my point? My point is simply this. We are built on that foundation of sacrifice and service. I know we tend to look at the church today and say, what can the church do for me? Instead, every member of the church ought to be asking, what can I do for Jesus? What can I do for others? Because Christianity was originally about sacrifice and service. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus says this, Even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give His life a ransom for many. And certainly Jesus gave His life. And we cannot sit back and expect the church to do for us all the time and serve us. We have to serve Him. We have to serve Jesus and we have to serve others. No question. And we have to be more about it than the world. Kind of like the question what in the Aston Matthew, what are we more than others? What do, what do we do differently? What makes us Christian people? What makes Christians Christians? Well, I mentioned the riots and all the things going on. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to them that, that, hurt, that despitefully use you. We cannot sit back. When the church sacrificially serves, here's what happens. When we die to self, and that's what we're talking about here, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And we know that Luke says daily, take up your cross and follow me. When we sacrificially follow him, the kernels of fruit, the kernels of corn, wheat, whatever, are sown. You know what I'm saying. That's how we progress. That's how we move forward. And that's what Jesus was trying to get across to his disciples. Focus on serving. Focus on giving your life wholly to Jesus. Completely to Jesus. Lose your life in Him. Lose your life in service to Jesus. And you will find it. The reason a lot of people can't find themselves today in the church and outside the church, they're trying to find themselves in some worldly way, and God has made a purpose for all of us to serve Him, and we can only find it within the context of Him. And we cannot find ourselves. There's a whole generation right now trying to find themselves. Well, I got news for them. If you want to find yourself, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. But look at their focus. Look at verse 36. This is how they were focused. Oh, excuse me. Um, in chapter 9. In, the, in chapter 9, they begin to argue about who will be first in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus tells them that's not important. 
They disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. This is in chapter 9, verse 34 and 35. But they held their peace, by the way, and then they disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last and servant of all. He says, you want to be first? You want to win? You're going to be last. Serve me. Serve me. And the focus of many of us is the wrong focus. Worldliness. Jesus warned them. Beware of being covetous. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And often the things that we possess or we think we possess, whether they be possessions or glory or money or power or position, are all fleeting. They're all fleeting. Everything is fleeting. I had the opportunity a few days ago to meet and talk with one of my classmates from school. I hadn't seen and sat down with in probably 35 years. Or however many years I got out of high school. Do the math. However many years that is. I didn't do the math. And we talked. And we sat. And she kept, she was a cheerleader. She kept bringing up the way I could run. I was once a runner. A very good runner. And she kept talking about how fast I was and how much I ran. and <sighs> Fleeting. I have trouble walking now. Fleeting. No matter what it be, athletic glory. I had a lot of trophies I took away, put them in the back of my truck and loaded up about a half a room full. And my son said, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting rid of them. And I said, but Dad, you won those. And I said, but I'm not that man anymore. That guy's long gone. Whatever you think is so important, whether it be money or possessions or whatever, it's just fleeting. The house you live in, somebody will live in it after you. The car you drive, somebody will have it after you drive it, or it'll go to the junkyard. Everything is fleeting in this life. And so, think about it. When you're trying to focus on what's important, let me tell you, lose your life for Jesus, and you'll find it. Give your life totally to Jesus Christ. And to His service. And to His banner. And you will find your life. And spiritual things that don't matter. was You know, there is going to be, uh, uh, I guess, a relegation in the, in the kingdom. Some will be priests and kings and so on and so forth. But that was not important. In Acts chapter 1, they were still asking Jesus about the kingdom. And Jesus said, it's not important for you to know those things. What is important, and this is like for people getting hung up on prophecy too. It's not important for you to know that. What is important is that you're to be witnesses unto me, both at Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Quit focusing on the non-important and focus on the important. And that's what I would say to the church today. We should focus on ministering and others. As an interim pastor, I find myself for the first time in my ministry able to do that. And I love it. 
I love the fact that I can focus on the spiritual. And when y'all have a business meeting, I say, call me if you need me. I don't have to worry about all that. And I'm loving it. Because I love the spiritual aspects. I love visiting with people and ministering to people and helping people and preaching and, and Bible study and imparting the truth to people. And those are the, the prayer. And those are the spiritual things, folks, that I love in ministry. But selfishness keeps us from serving Him too. We want what we want. I want what I want. I want my time. I want time to do this or do that. Selfishness. Jesus said, I didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister and give my life a ransom for many. That's not exactly what he meant. Lastly, I want to mention this. That if you give your life in service to our Savior, I want you to know today that He is going to reward you. Yes. God's going to reward you for what you give to Him. Don't do it for that motive. That's not the motive for doing it. But I want you to know, if you have a pure heart and you serve Jesus out of a pure heart, He is going to take care of you. He is going to be with you. It says, Jesus said right on over here in another chapter, Mark 10, look there if you will. Mark 10, verse 29. Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother. Some have left and went to the mission fields, left their families, mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, so on, and in the world to come, eternal life. So, he says, you will receive a blessing not only in eternity, but here. He said, God going to make me rich? <laughs> Doesn't say that. It says he'll bless you a hundredfold. Now, that might be just, your blessing might be obedient children. Your blessing might be healthy children. Your blessing might be your health. Your, I don't know what your blessing might be, but your blessing could be many, many things. And we're not thankful for a lot of them. But if you ever have bad health, you'll be thankful for good health. But let me tell you something. God is going to compensate you here for what you do for Him. Now, He doesn't have to do that. That's grace. But He will. He said, I'll, I'll compensate you here. I'll bless your life. Maybe it'll just be a richness and a peace to your life that nobody else has. Maybe you can walk around where there's war around you and have peace. That's a blessing. But God will bless you here, and he says, in eternity. That's a pretty good deal. So when you lose your life, when you give of yourself, when you give of your substance, when you give of your talents, when you give of your abilities... You're not losing anything, really. You say, I'm losing it for Jesus. I'm giving it to Jesus. Amen. Give it all to Him. He will reward you. He says in Revelation 22, 
12, one of the last verses of the Bible, I, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. He's going to reward us. The first thing we're going to see at the judgment seat of Christ is rewards. It's not a judgment seat to beat you on the head, but to give you rewards. It's a Bema seat. That's where they recognize, oh, and by the way, here we go. We're back to it. It's where they recognize the winners. And isn't it interesting at the Bema seat where they recognize the winners were what many might consider the losers in this life who've lost their life and gained and won in heaven. I remember when I went into the ministry, a man I dearly loved and respected tried to tell me, he said to me, don't do this, you're wasting your life. Well, I lost my life, but I found myself. I lost my life, but I found it. And I can tell you from experience that's true. Last verse today to just let you know. Hebrews 6.10, God says this. Paul writes, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God will take account of all that you do for him. Men may miss it. The church may not know what you've done. No other person in the world may know what you've done, but Jesus will know what you've done for him. So, the key thing I want you to take away from the sermon today is simply this. If you die to yourself, give it to Jesus. You may actually find yourself. And you'll be blessed. I want you to read that. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that before we leave today. And Remember this, for whosoever will shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it. And lastly, I just want to reach out to those who may not. I've been speaking to Christian people this morning about discipleship. But for the unbeliever, if you're there and you're lost and you don't know Christ, that's not really for you. Because the thing for you right now is you have a sin problem. And that sin separates you from God the Father. But Jesus came into the world. He was God himself. Took upon flesh went to the cross, died for your sins, and says, accept me as your Savior. And when you, when you do that, God wipes the sin debt away, makes you one of his children, gives you life eternal, a new birth, and you become a new person in Christ. But you say, well, how do I do that? What do I have to do? That's the great part about it. You don't have to do anything except say yes to God, believe on Christ, accept Him as your Savior. In your heart, just bow your head and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. You are. I am. And I believe Jesus died for me. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, and you know who died on the cross, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting eternal life. And friend, 
That's God's promise. He loved you that much. He loves you. You say, but I'm just, I'm a mean person. I'm a bad person. That's all right. God loves bad people. I've never gotten saved otherwise. And God loves you. Just where you are, how you are, it doesn't matter. He loves you. God's love is infinite, never-ending, and he loves you. And he sent his son Jesus. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. Why don't we do that right now as we close in prayer? If you're accepting Christ, you might just pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. We all are. And you said that based on your word, you will take my sin and save my soul for eternity. and Give me a home in heaven and give me new life here and now. Lord, I, I pray today that somebody's praying that prayer. It just ended in Jesus' name. If you're sincere, he will save you. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God bless you. Till we see you again. In Jesus' name, amen.